when a city is annihilated, there's nothing. There is no infrastructure. Right. So we have to not only bring computers, we have to have partners that help us figure out solutions to just give people a chance to connect with each other, tell each other they're alive, let children learn or read something. It scares me if we lose focus about how important this is. It is literally about the right to exist. That's what Ukrainians are defending. If we don't understand the importance of that, we have lost the importance of being a human being. A chef with a heart for service, Rachel Ray has made it her mission to help others. After 17 years of recording The Rachel Ray Show, she has now turned her attention to the ongoing conflict in Ukraine, providing support and aid to those affected by the crisis. Joining forces with Andre Fute, who leads the Ukrainian Congress Committee of America, and Joe Sullivan, CEO of the nonprofit Ukraine Friends. Rachel and her partners work together to make a difference in the lives of struggling Ukrainians. Through their collaboration, they deliver vital assistance to individuals and families in need, regardless of politics, united by their shared belief in democracy. This episode dives into the urgent need to help Ukrainian citizens who are struggling as a result of conflict. We must pay attention and open our hearts to learn what's really going on, not just relying on mainstream media for information. Let's come together in support, create change, donate, and help. Please note that some of the firsthand experiences recalled by our guests may be graphic. I'm Bob Wheeler, and this is a special edition of Money You Should Ask. Paying it forward, Rachel Ray, Andre Fute, and Joe Sullivan's support for conflict-affected Ukrainians. excited today because we talk a lot about mindset. I'm also talking about intentionality. I'm talking about purpose. I'm talking about all of these things and how do we pay it forward? Because that to me is one of the biggest pieces of being alive and being human is to pay it forward. And so today we are talking with Rachel and Joe and Andy, friends of Ukraine, and there's a lot going on in the world. And, and Rachel, I appreciate you coming on and wanting to talk about this because there's a lot of people that'll talk about doing good works or doing things. It's another thing to actually put some skin in the game, to actually show up, do the work, put in the actions, and put in the attitude. And, and that's what's going on here today. It's an important mission and it's an important conversation. And so, Rachel, let's just start with you. You've, you've, you know, you just finished 17 years with the Rachel Ray show. You've got everything going on. And yet here you are going out being of service. And for you, from what I've read, the other stuff is just the gravy. Life is about paying it forward. And that that's been your mission to pay your life forward. Can you talk a little bit how you got involved with Ukraine friends and the Ukrainian people? It started even before that. My husband and I started a, a brand when we started the Rachel Ray show and we don't, we got married very late in life. He was 38. I was 37. We knew we 
could not have children ourselves, not physically, like we probably might have if you'd <laughs> gone to doctors or whatever, but it was just a weird time. We adopted a dog. We had a brand new television show and we were getting married all at the same time. So we wanted to figure out a way that we could pay our lives forward in a, a different mindset. Yeah. So I, I wanted to design, not kidding, a kitchen equipment. I drew it on a napkin. My husband took it to the houseware show and sold it. I wanted to design furniture. I started doodling it on pieces of paper. I wanted to design all these things. And I wanted to make safe dog food. Ultimately, the entirety of our brand became the way we paid our lives forward. Our brand, but we're only allowed to give to America, has given over 82 or so million dollars to animals and people for food relief and rescuing animals from kill shelters, including our own Bella Boo Blue She's our third rescue in life. So this is how like the whole ball gets rolling, right? So once you're in this mindset of my life is to be about purpose and service, what do I do next? I'm watching Ukraine unfold on the television set and I am a news addict. I belong to a politics club. We talk about the issues every week. And I, I fall asleep to, and I wake up to, and I only sleep like four hours a night. <laughs> News. I was living this war, and so much frustrated me about it, that Americans understood so little about it, and that it wasn't being explained correctly. I mean, this is a war that started over eight years ago, and this is something that's been going on for far too long through both parties, mishandled this, in my opinion, the, the protection of, of these people, these beautiful, giant, mostly giant blue-eyed people that are defending democracy, these gorgeous human beings that are warriors of every generation, from little children, all of the men, to up to grandmas making Molotov cocktails in their backyard. It just blew my mind. I am looking at these incredible ethereal people to me, and no one is seeing and hearing the full extent of what's happening to them and how they're being abused, misused, extorted, and not appreciated. And where are we? Uh, let's get there. I am very proud of where we stand right now under this president and the help we have given. I am very concerned that everyone is losing their focus on the most important thing in the world. Whether you're Mitch McConnell or President Biden, this is the most important thing to pay attention to right now. And until it ends. God save us if it ends. We must not lose focus on these people. And if you watch what is truly happening and what's been happening and what could happen, you will agree.
whether you are conservative or uh, a liberal, I think everyone needs to just come back to the middle like it was when I was a child. I'm 53 years old. When I was a kid, everybody lived happily in the middle and had tough conversations, but at least we could have conversations. I don't want everybody to be the same ever. And we can have important discussions, but what we can't discuss is the importance of democracy itself or the sovereignty of a nation. Like we all have to be behind at least reality. If sovereign nations and defending democracy is important to us, all of us, left, right, middle. This is what is common. And that's why I am so passionate about this fight. And when I'm watching something on television, I am that annoying person that yells back. I talk to the image I'm seeing. The images I saw of the Ukrainian people fighting were just too overwhelming to me. My eyes were swollen every single morning of my life in perpetuity. You won't believe how I found Ukraine. I found Ukraine through my dog's trainer. I lost my house to a fire and my dog died during the pandemic. Wow. I adopted another dog almost immediately. My husband wasn't into it. He's like, I'm not ready. I can't handle it. I said, tough. Uh, we have these trucks that rescue dogs from kill shelters. I am the largest donator to North Shore Animal League of America. And they sent out a mission truck and they saved some dogs. No one that works in a kill shelter, by the way, wants to actually kill dogs, of course. Right. They want to save dogs and cats and animals. But some communities cannot support that. We ad adopted her probably too quick for John, but it, it meant everything to me because it brings you back to understanding how hard it is just to stay alive. And when I was watching everything in Ukraine, I'm like, this is like my rescue dog, man. Like, this is a, a whole bunch of children grandmas, families, they, they need us. Where are we? Why are we not there? And I'm talking about this with the woman who takes the time to come to my house because it's a pandemic and I can't take my rescue dog out into the streets of anywhere. She comes to my house to try and help her to be trained and to assimilate to other dogs. And I said, I just wish there was a way I could get to Ukraine to help these people personally, to help the grown-ups, the children, the brothers, the mothers, the families, and the animals. I just wish there was a way I could get there. She said, well, my brother works for a man, Senator Portman, who just uh, went to Ukraine, and maybe the man that helped him could help you. And that's how I met Andri. And Andri took my phone call out of the kindness of his heart. And I said, what can I do? How can I get there? Can I get in and get out with just a, a passport? I'm not a, a senator. I'm not a congressperson. How can I help? And he said, we need frontline emergency kits. That's the number one thing we need. So that's the first thing we tackled. 
And I brought a bunch of toys to the orphanage that's also a school, a church, and a home for most of the, the majority of the orphans. We went to the children's hospital, to the grown-up hospital, and to the mayor's office. And we do kind of the same circuit now every time. You know, as Americans, and you were talking about, um, like, your own foundation and contributions it's done for the U.S., uh, Ukraine. Oh, friends. I can't give from that to anything outside the country. This right. is all I I this is my money I've I've spent. Right. But for people um, that are listening and say, I want to help. I want to be part of this. It's a conglomerate. It's a partnership. I mean, mm-hmm. I represent I'm the president of the Ukrainian Congress Committee of America. It's the largest and only umbrella organization in the United States, which represents over two million Ukrainian Americans people in every state. We have member organizations that belong to us. We have our local chapters around the country. We're headquartered in New York, and we have a very, uh, for 45 years, we have an advocacy office in Washington, D.C. So we're the one entity, the one organization that kind of brings everybody together, unifies them, no matter what political party you are, what your beliefs are in terms of which way you vote. But the fact of the matter is we all want to be on the same page. We originally founded back in 1940. With our partners, we first found Rachel Ray. Rachel Ray is a partner of ours. Ukraine Friends is a partner of, 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 of ours. And we all have a specific expertise. We all have a specific, specific task that we are able to work together to make sure that we deliver these goods. I mean, we as the UCCA have raised and donated over $30 million worth of all sorts of aid towards Ukraine. That's humanitarian, that's medical, that's even drones for some of the territorial defense. Oh, we do a lot with medical, right? Yeah, right. We just did cataract eye machine and a crazy microscope that's taller than me. It's easy to be taller than me, though. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Um, Well, you know, one of the things I want to mention, because I think You've said it, um, but I want to be explicit. It's not about politics. Some people might say, oh, help Ukraine. That's political. No, it's humanitarian, right? It doesn't matter. It is matter. not political. Right. And it doesn't matter who you're behind. Look, it's either you're for democracy or you're for Putin. Putin wants to recreate uh, a Russia that hasn't existed in decades, right. and he wants to make genocide uh, to allow this to become true for him. And that cannot be allowed. We all have to protect each other and one another. But the most important thing to protect is democracy. There is no end game if we let Putin, not Russians, right. Russia, under this current, under Putin, This is a very dangerous game we're playing with here. We must defend democracy, period. And if it cannot be had with Putin, we must wait it out or fight it out and win. There is no other way to go. There is no other direction. I am a stupid cook from upstate New York. Why should anybody listen to me? I'm sure a lot of people will say that. Don't listen to me. Listen to every single person in either party 
that is paying attention to this game. Yeah. And it is a game. And, and we, as the American-Ukrainian community in the United States, are very grateful for the strong, strong, strong bipartisan support we are getting. I mean, that message is clear. And that's so important, right, Andre? It, exactly. it, it, it's bipartisan. Everybody's on this page. Yeah. In the most so part. You All you have to do is go there and you will be converted in a second. And we've seen that with politicians from everywhere. As soon as they spend five minutes in the country and they see the resilience of the people in the face of the atrocities that are happening, it's, it's disgusting. When the Russians get pushed backward, they poison the wells, they leave butterfly mines that kids will pick up and die because of, they do insidious tactics where they're constantly sending missiles at civilian populations. They're trying to wear the people down it breaks our hearts when we go there and we see like this. They're not fighting a war in a fair, like, like not that war is ever OK, but the way right. they're doing it, the way they're targeting civilians over and over. Everybody has to agree. It's totally unacceptable. Even if you could stop them today, immediately and nothing else happened, it would take up to 20 years to get rid of the mines that are already set and the injuries that might happen over the years to come. It's absolutely sickening. And the way that they've attacked, I mean, I, I, ha I have nightmares almost every day of a woman who was just in her apartment, probably cooking her dinner. And this image of her dog walking around her dead body, trying to get her to wake up and stand up and feed him or her. I don't know if the dog was a boy or a girl. I have that image in my head every single day and night. Like, I just can't get it out of my head. All you're doing is making dinner. All you're trying to do is feed your dog and somebody blows you up for just being alive. Right. And, you know, my grandpa is one of 14. My mother is the firstborn of 10. I come from immigrants. My, my grandfather was called a lot of names in his life. My family, when my mom was young, was treated as different people. Yeah. And they were called a lot of names, and they had to grow all of their food, and they rarely went into town or to public places. But it was clear when I was growing up that there were differences among Americans, even then. And again, I'm 53. And that was just about immigration in America. Right. I Maybe that's part of the reason I have such, I don't know, passion to stand with these folks. I can't pinpoint one thing. I just know that it became an obsession of mine. Truly an obsession. Yeah. And I feel the strongest when I'm with them, without question. Everyone says, why do you go there? Aren't you scared? No, I'm not. I feel the strongest when I am getting there and when I am there. Because if you look around you, the examples will make you ashamed of being anything less than proud to stand by their side. So what can people... There's, there's no other end to that sentence. 
there's there's three specific things that we ask folks to do that they can be helpful. And this is this is this is your everyday citizen. This is your neighbors and everybody. First and foremost, make sure you contact your elected office holder. You contact your congressman, your congresswoman, your senator, and let them know how strongly you feel that you know this is not only about Ukraine, but it's about democracy in the free world. The Ukrainians are standing in the forefront, taking all the bullets and, and having all the deaths to make sure that Russia does not invade further into Europe. And, and, and he will. I mean, he will. if he's not stopped in Ukraine, mm -hmm. he will. Secondly is, it's basically what Rachel says. Talk to the media, talk to your local media, go and, 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 and talk to your friends. Do you know that right now uh, it's been calculated by the Hudson Institute, which is one of the think tanks in Washington, that what it costs the average American on a daily basis in terms of the military support that's going to Ukraine is 25 cents a day. That is all wow. that is being said. A 25 cent investment today is so much less than God forbid he get he 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 takes over Ukraine and enters another part. And third, we as not for profits, I just indicated we've we've collected and donated over thirty million dollars worth of of support. That comes from our members. That comes from the general community. We all, we the Ukrainian Congress Committee of America, Ukraine friends, we have uh, accounts. We have websites for you to be able to donate whatever it is, five dollars. $500, $25, whatever you can donate, now, all that money, none of that goes for administrative costs. It all goes for, for, for aid that's required in Ukraine. Rachel just mentioned, she herself purchased over 2,200 individual first aid kits. Those go to the front lines. Those go to save lives. Those have literally saved lives of people who are in the front lines defending democracy here. So there's many ways. So again, reach out to your public officials, Talk to your local media, continue support, and three, in whatever capacity you can, you can make an online contribution. And yeah. one of the things that I know with um, your organizations is that you're able to actually help on the front lines. The money's not going for administrative costs. It's going for first aid kits. It's going oh, to help yes. people. Computers, uh, students that are having to study remotely. Uh, it's difficult when you don't even have the money or the infrastructure or Internet being able to get computers. Those are the kinds of things where it's that directly huge, helping. Yeah, that was one of the big, huge gives in this last trip. This huge donation of laptops for kids that are learning because they have to, of course, on online. This was this was amazing. Bob, the, the way to think about it is like this. The, the Ukrainians have a government and the government has to be focused on the existential threat. Right. Their country is under attack. And so when we spend time with the government officials, they're very focused on the how do we keep the front line where it is? How do we keep supporting our country on the war? And the role of the nonprofits is to come in behind and support. And it's the families that are at home on their own. Almost every kid in the country is doing remote learning. A lot of us had our kids do remote learning here. But you know what? We didn't have a whole family income of $2,000 before the war. We could go order a computer and have it shipped to our house. What we're seeing there, it's heartbreaking because these kids, they can't, we can't let them be a lost generation. If you think about all of the support and foundational things, you've got teachers, right? And people trying to teach children in the midst of a war. There are a lot of things uh, that to us, oh, yeah, we had a pandemic. We're studying remotely. Kids are studying remotely. We're talking people are having houses blown up and people are still trying to show up, create. There's nothing.
nothing left. Dude, this yeah. is genocide in so many places. This, There's nothing left. There's nothing. You know, and, and that's going to be such a long time. This could be decades before we can rebuild and help these folks and support them. But in the interim, the only hope they have is to get help like this. I don't know that America understands what war really means. When a city is annihilated, there's nothing. There is no infrastructure. Right. So we have to not only bring computers, we have to have partners that help us figure out solutions to just give people a chance to connect with each other, tell each other they're alive, let children learn or read something or download something that's important to their education or their lives. It, it's it's so huge. And that's why it scares me. It scares me as a human, yeah, not just an American, but as a human being. It scares me if we lose focus about how important this is. It is literally about the right to exist that we're talking about. How can we stop caring about that? That's what Ukrainians are defending. An actual right to exist. If we don't understand the importance of that, we have lost the importance of being a human being, period. Yeah. And I've got a perfect example of kind of a priority Rachel just talked about. Yes, we're talking about, uh, again, partnership with Ukrainian friends and her in terms of delivering laptops. But everybody knows that the Russians are targeting their infrastructure, their utilities. There's no way to run the utilities through our, our efforts and, and through a, a generous benefactor and manufacturer. We just delivered 12,000 generators, over oh, $11 million worth of generators wow. that are keeping these schools, keeping these hospitals from being able to conduct surgeries, uh, schools so from being able to, uh, or, uh, you know, to, to, to use to have electricity so folks can, can have access to it, uh, the orphanage so that the orphanage can, 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 can serve food. It's you know, huge, for, for huge. So it, th this is just so multifaceted in terms of how your our neighbor, our, our American neighbor, can get involved and, and helpful in terms of of providing the Ukrainians with just daily daily things that we take for granted that, that we don't even think about that Ukrainians right now are, are having difficulties of being able to access. Yeah, and I do I do think people in the U.S. don't really understand what war is because we've never really had war on our soil. Um, mm. Joe, what can what can you tell us about Ukraine friends, like some of the frontline things that your organization is doing? Sure. Uh, we partner a lot with and Andre's organization um, there. Like he said, they're really the the glue that kind of holds all of the smaller nonprofits mm -hmm. together. Uh, and so we almost everything we do, we partner with them on. Uh, we started in, uh, in helping move refugees at the beginning of the war. Uh, it was a very big issue where people were resettling. Uh, Airbnb and some other organizations donated a lot, and we were able to be helping on that. We then switched, and our primary focus as a as a nonprofit has been on the medical kits. Uh, Rachel was mentioning these. Um, these are not the first aid kits you find in your uh, medicine chest at home. You know, there's a um, tourniquet and uh, bandages that could cover a traumatic chest wound, like Rachel said. 
And every train in Ukraine has first aid kits that uh, our organizations working together got in last year. And when I talk about the trains, you need to understand the trains in Ukraine are the lifeblood of movement for people. I didn't appreciate that till I got there. It's kind of like the trains in New York City or something like that. If the trains stop running, the, the, the country stops. That's where the need is, is helping keep the infrastructure running. Like Andre said, get them generators, get them first aid kits, kind of like what is the most critical thing during the winter, get them blankets. Uh, and so I think there are a lot of nonprofits that are helping together and the, it, the amazing thing about Americans is we're scrappy and entrepreneurial as a people. And so we, we're listening and seeing what, what do the Ukrainians need right now? That's our priority. Um, it's, you know, now that we're getting into a year plus in the war, one of our jobs is to continue to raise awareness. It really is discouraging to see how the media in yeah. the United States has moved from covering the heartbreaking humanitarian stories to covering it like it were, it's a chess match or something like that. And it's just the tactical uh, what's happening on the front. Yeah. What's happening behind the front is what we need to remember because that's what we care about as Americans. Um, well said. The, pe the people in Ukraine, they live in a war, but they get up and they live every day. Uh, and they do it like a normal day. You go there, you'll see a grandmother walking with a two-year-old, taking them to the park, even though the park doesn't look like a park, right. but they, they got to get up. They go out, they live life. You see teenagers getting together in the evening around somebody playing music. It's the most heartwarming thing to see this happening in a war zone. And we need to remember that. We need to get them the little things they need to be able to live normal life in the middle of a really unnormal situation. And how do we get more people to be aware? Like the media has one story, right? And there's these other stories that we're not hearing. How does somebody that's listening go out and get this information so that they can advocate, so that they can step up, so they can help give voice? Yeah, so I would start with UCCA, which um, Andre's organization. So, for example, they organized a trip. They brought a bunch of Ukrainian-Americans and other people who cared to Washington, D.C. I, I got to go and kind of be on the sidelines as Andrea and everybody was organizing it. And it was amazing seeing hundreds of people coming from all over the country. And then we literally just went over to Congress and went door to door going to different Congress people's offices saying, hey, I'm from your hey, district. You know, yeah. you know right, normal people, like we're all allowed to go to Washington, D.C. Everyone can do something. Everyone can, however little or large, it doesn't matter. It, it, it just matters if you put your heart or your mind or your spirit into it. That matters. That's what matters. And it's priceless, guys. It's truly priceless. I've been to Ukraine four times. I'm going back in June for my fifth trip. And our goal is to build out the kitchen at the rehabilitation center that will feed 4,400 people every single day, three meals a day. Okay, that's our goal. That's what we're working on now. And I'm no one from nowhere. I'm a waitress from upstate New York. And I found all of these guys and this beautiful community just by talking and asking my neighbor. Yeah. Everyone can do this. Everyone under any circumstance, whether you have $1, no dollars, nothing. Everyone can put this in their mind or their heart or let it come out of their mouth. That's all we're asking for.
yeah. is for people to be mindful of the people that are defending democracy. This isn't about red or blue. This is about democracy, little d, democracy itself. Yeah. And I want to thank people like yourself on behalf of the 2 million Ukrainian Americans and Ukraine friends and Rachel and all our partners, because it's forums like this that you're conducting with us today that reach the public. Yeah, We need to do more of those. We need to do more of those particular events. Obviously, as, as Joe also indicated, you know, going on our websites, we have all the information. You can sign up for our newsletters. You know, we try every possible way. Uh, again, all our dollars are going towards Ukraine, so it's difficult to hire large PR firms and others who can do the PR for you, for you. But accessing our our social media, accessing uh, our websites, and being able to to, to that's to, right, right. That's yeah. why this is so generous. What are the best websites? What can you? I mean, we'll put it in the show notes. But can you just like off the bat, somebody's listening. Ukrainian Congress Committee. It's www.ucca.org. Very simple. Ucca.org. And Joe's got Ukraine Friends. Yep, ukrainefriends.org. And you can follow all of us on social media. Um, and then once you start connecting a little bit with our organizations, you'll see the interaction with the other nonprofits. And very quickly, you can get up to speed. Um, and I and some of the organizations are doing a really good job of sh sharing like it's not in the news, but every day a civilian dies in Ukraine because another bomb was sent into a civilian center. Um, it happens like when, when we were there, the news is much more visible to us. But when so I remember coming home from re Ukraine a, f a few weeks ago, I wanted to know every day what's happening there, what's that happening there. It's hard here to get up to date. And then sometimes it's just so hard to see it you kind of like let it fade into the background but i think it's important for us as americans to understand what's going on there and to to dig past the front page of the newspaper and to find a little bit more and i would say joe and i appreciate that that even more so not even as americans but as human beings as citizens of the world uh it's our responsibility i think to get a little curious about our neighbors Right. We can't live in a bubble and just say, well, this is how I'm going to live and my kitchen's fine. So I don't really care about the rest of the world. It does impact us. It may not be an obvious direct impact, but the impact on all of us will be felt for many, many years. And That's if we don't. That's such a great point. Yeah. We've yeah. got to get curious. We've got to be willing we've to. got to be curious. The world is so much smaller. Every single year, it, it, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. It's like that movie that won all the Oscars, you know, it's everything all at once, blah, right. blah. <laughs> but we, you have to pay attention. This does affect your life. It affects how you vote. It affects how you live. It affects your future. It affects everything on the planet. And what your viewers need to also understand and I'm not going to go back to the war that started in 2014, because it started, you know, uh, in 2014. But since February 2022, there are over 100,000 Ukrainian civilians who have been killed. There are 7 million temporarily displaced individuals who have left Ukraine. And we don't call them refugees. We call them temporarily displaced because they all want to return to Ukraine. And they want to be home. They, there are 8 million internally displaced who have left the war-torn regions and gone to other parts of Ukraine 
And the other scary part is that there are close to 20,000 children, children who have been taken, kidnapped, stolen, and taken into Russia. These, and I is, have watched this, the stories of mothers that have gone in to rescue children, to rescue their own children from Russia. Yeah. I have sat with children that have no legs, both legs blown off. Uh, I, I just don't understand this. I just don't understand how we don't all get behind this one thing. Every single American or person that believes in democracy on the planet Earth should be behind Ukraine. Slava Ukraini, period. Glory to Ukraine. And everyone needs to be on that and focused on it. I am protecting democracy because of the men that I know, these men, because of their grace and goodness. And they keep me safe and help me get in and get out. And we have fun hot dogs at the roadside stands when we get there <laughs> with everything on them. And we have a cold beer if the bar is still open and we're not in a shelter at the end of the night. And I will do this until I'm dead. This is a fight worth having. And I am committed. Joe, you started to say something. Um, this will give you space yeah. a second. Sure, Bob. It's really, um, you know, we're very worked up, as you can tell, because we're so passionate because we've been there. But Understandable. Um, there's also um, an optimism that we ha each of us has when we come back from Ukraine. And one of the things that really surprised me was how good I felt about America after being in Ukraine, mm. because I saw so many Americans there. Um, it felt like eight out of every 10 people that I met who was not Ukrainian was American. Americans are there cooking food, bringing donations, volunteering. I mean, it literally started the second I was at the Polish border. There was a 20-year-old a American pastry chef who was just volunteering at the border, bringing, uh, he, he helped me bring my luggage in because I was carrying a whole bunch of laptops uh, and I couldn't like get all my bags. And this 20-year-old kid came over and started helping me. And it turned out he was an American and he just, he spends most of his time helping Ukrainians as they go back and forth because a lot of the, um, you know, a lot of the men can't leave the country. So the women will go and get supplies and bring them back. And so he volunteers at the border. That was the first person I met going into Ukraine. And then after that, you know, you get to the, to the cities, they're, they're, they're making sure that um, people can eat. They're making sure that there's connectivity. Everywhere I turned, I saw Americans from every walk of life there to help. And it, it made me feel good to be an American, honestly. And Noah Sims is an amazing American, and he not only works with uh, World Central Kitchen, he works now on a project where they have bulletproof trucks that serve food that also give internet access to everyone wherever the truck is parked so that everyone can uh, contact family or get lessons if they're kids. And Noah Sims is an amazing human. He's a great friend of ours. Well, it's sort of crazy that we have to be worrying about bulletproof trucks to serve food, right? That's a crazy conversation to be having. I mean, it's a reality, but Noah's it's crazy. Pretty, well, Noah Sims is pretty thrilled about it because he's in sure. a bulletproof truck. Yeah, <laughs> what for, sure. <laughs> for sure. For sure. For sure. 
I mean, you know, it seems to me and uh, Joe, I don't know about your last trip. Um, and is that when you brought the computers? Yeah. So we um, we started this new initiative at the beginning of this year. You know, we see in the news here in the United States, tech companies laying off them, employees. And so we just started reaching out to different companies and saying, well, when you let go of those employees, what are you doing with those used laptops? Well, let me tell you, the used laptop that gets donated from a tech company when you bring it over to Ukraine, um, it's like giving a kid a Ferrari. Their, their <laughs> eyes just like light up. like you know, Because even the kid, so uh, the three of us, we were at an orphanage in Lviv and we gave a set of laptops to some kids. We actually went into their classroom and they were learning to code. It was a group of about 12 or 13 year olds and they actually had some computers and I spent a little time, but these computers were donated 10 years ago. And, you know, it's kind of like you type a line, you hit enter, and then you wait a couple of minutes and then do it again. You know, these are like a year or two old laptops in the United States, which we look at and we're like poo poo them. Poo -poo. And then you, yeah. And you bring them there, and it, it's the best thing they've ever seen because it's a um, it's a very smart uh, education system in terms of they very much have focused on technology. There have been so many Ukrainians who have been supporting U.S. companies. I know um, for years uh, it's it's really been a tech hub, and there's an eagerness with the young children to try and learn how to. Um, to be able to learn how to code, to, to, to support the technology of the future. And so just giving them laptops allows them to be learning even when they're in a really difficult situation. Anyone that's listening, you've lost everything. You've lost your home and you don't have a family anymore. Think about what it means to build a new community where the older child next to you in a bed at an orphanage becomes your surrogate auntie or mama figure, you know? What does it mean to you guys when you see kids interact with all the things you help provide for them? Well, the most, the most, the most touching and emotional thing for me is, and, and, I, and, and I think about it every day, I'm back here. You and I, uh, Rachel, uh, are, are so recognizable to these children. I mean, they actually, father... The, the father, Andre, the, the administrator priest there, sends me at least one or two pictures on a, on, on a weekly basis that says, these kids are asking, when is Uncle Andy coming back? When is, <laughs> when is Aunt Rachel coming back? They've become, uh, they've become attached. I didn't want you to talk about me. I want you to talk <laughs> no, about me. But, but, but that's what it is. And it's not the material thing that we're bringing them. It's not the fact that you know we brought the toys several times. It's not that we're doing the, lap, uh, the laptops because, yes, that's important to them. But that interaction, the fact that there's this uncle coming or this aunt coming and they could feel you and touch you. And you've seen this. This one girl this last trip, she ran up into your arms. You held her. I mean, the one I, time. Uh, I think I, I looked, you know, it made me break into tears. I think I simply looked like someone. She was found. Uh, she was wandering the park. You but know, by she was the, wandering uh, barefoot yeah. in a completely uh, demolished place, uh, so homeless, me, with no parents, me, no family. Yeah. To me, it's the emotional part of, of the kids and how they look at you. And, and when she came enjoy. into the kitchen, I think I just looked like her auntie. And she ran across the room and climbed me like a tree. <laughs> and I was like, I love you too, honey. Everything's going to be okay now. 
I mean, to have a little girl climb on you and she doesn't even know who you are and think about who it is she's missing and the idea that she was wandering around barefoot in burning hot rubble. Andri is the name of the father of the orphanage. And it's not just an orphanage. It's a vocational training center. It's their church and it's their home. They take care of these lost ones in a way I, I've never seen anything like it. It's so beautiful, this, 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 this orphanage. And the mayor is also Andre, the mayor of Lviv. My three Andres are the greatest people I think I've ever met in my life. And without each of them, I don't know how any of this work could get done. They're all so central to my life now. And every time I go there, it's this circuit of this triumvirate of great men that share one name mm -hmm. and one heart and one love for one people, yeah. the strongest people on earth. And I'll leave it at that. The three Andres and Joe. Um, you know, it's... Uh... I love well, Joe too, of course. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. But my three Andres, they've been there they, for their trip number his, one. His middle yeah, name is Andre. And you um, love them too. You need them too. <laughs> yeah. Well, Absolutely. you know, I mean, I think, you know, to some of the stuff that you've talked about, uh, Rachel, you were talking about, you know, how is this even a conversation? Like, why are we having this conversation? And Joe talking about being proud to be an American because Americans do show up. And I think, you know, if I look at my life and I look at a lot of Americans, you know, we've been pretty privileged. I don't think we realize how privileged we are. Most of the world is still in survival mode. They're just trying to survive. We have been flourishing and it's sometimes inconvenient uh, to have to look at the world, take some responsibility and step up. Because it's like, oh, it's really, really want to get to my Pilates class. But uh, yeah, no, there's bigger things going on in the world. And if we don't take some responsibility, if we don't learn to be inconvenienced and have these difficult conversations and actually advocate for people who can't advocate for themselves, uh, like we're nothing. We have a responsibility to show up in the world, give our voice, even if we don't do it perfectly, even if we don't eloquently speak it, we have to show up. And I think there are a lot of Americans out there that are doing the work, that are showing up, and kudos to all of them because that's what we need. We just need to shake up the rest of the world to get a lot more conscious and a little bit more intentional about how they're going to show up in the world and have an impact. And so I'm so how grateful. How beautifully said. How beautifully said. I, I just appreciate that you all are, are all out there on the front lines doing the work, showing up, put in action with the words instead of just from the bedroom going, Oh, that sounds terrible over there. You're actually showing up and, and, and taking risks and having a, a huge, huge impact for these people that are really just trying to survive, who just want to have a better life. Like all of us do, who just want to be able to spend time with family, all those basic needs, right? Just to be loved and to be go home. They just want to go back to their home. Yeah. And try and rebuild one, you know, because many of them, their homes have been destroyed. I can't thank you enough for giving us a platform to talk on, 
to share our ideas and thoughts. And I can't thank these men enough that protect me and share with me and provide so much for the people that I love so much. I, I, I can't thank them enough. There's nothing I could ever do in life that would be worth anything uh, next to what they've done for, I think, all of us and, and for these terrific, amazing, incredible people of Ukraine. So with that, listeners, I'm telling you, take some action. Uh, if you can donate, donate. Go to their websites and donate. If you can't, write letters to your congressman. Start conversations about Ukraine. Have a talk with your neighbor. Like, bring it into consciousness for the rest of the folks that aren't talking about it. And to that end, our podcast is going to donate to both of the organizations oh, uh, that are represented today. So it's like we all have to take that first step. So I'm pleading with everybody, take some action, take some responsibility, get intentional and show up. This is really an important conversation. Bless and you, my friend. Thank you so much. That's amazing. These people need us. Thank you all so much for joining. I really, really appreciate it. This is amazing. Thank you. Thank you for the Thank opportunity. You. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. God bless America. We shed light on the urgent humanitarian crisis in Ukraine. As we close out this episode, let us remember the millions of Ukrainians who have lost their lives or have been displaced from their homes. Their resilience in the face of immense adversity and the enduring human spirit. We invite you, our dear listeners, to take action and play a part in helping. Whether it's through donating via UCCA or Ukraine Friends, or raising awareness within your community. Your contribution can make a meaningful difference in the lives of those who need it most. Together, let's extend our compassion and support to the resilient people of Ukraine.